Hey everyone, how's everybody doing today? It's JJ with the Tough Topics Podcast again, ready to discuss the variety of issues we got going on. I mean, <laughs> we have this election that went from election day to election week. We've got the mail-in ballots. You know, if you're behind in a race, clearly it's rigged. I don't know if anybody's heard that. That's what I've been hearing all week. So what we've been seeing is that the three swing states that Trump won last election have flipped this election, this go around. And the ironic thing is that Wisconsin is by a very similar margin. Michigan is by a little bit bigger margin. And Pennsylvania, it's looking like, is going to be a 100 to 200,000 victory for Joe Biden. They haven't called it yet. So I can't call him President Biden. He is presumptive president-elect Joe Biden. We're still waiting on that somehow. Ironically enough, that's because of the GOP Board of Legislatures in various states that instead of allowing them to count them early, they wanted them to wait until Election Day. So it's really funny how they talked about trying to stemmy the flow of mail-in ballots. And it's because of them that now we have to wait for results from Nevada, Arizona, Pennsylvania, Georgia. By the way, I just wanted to let a bunch of people know. I was that crazy person telling all of my friends that Georgia was going to go blue, and oh, look at that, Georgia's about to go blue, who would have guessed? What is the after effects of this election? If you were to look at the Senate races and the House races, it has been an absolute disaster for centrist Democrats. And it's funny because people were thinking, hey, you know, all we have to do is associate the Republican Party with Donald Trump, take advantage of Trump's unpopularity, and there will be a blue wave. Well... <laughs> Needless to say, there was no blue wave incoming. Unfortunately, it's going to come down to the two runoff elections in Georgia to decide whether or not we get Senate control. All these political experts like Alyssa Milano and <laughs> Brooklyn Dad, unfortunately, they're so excited with Trump being gone, they don't realize that we could have a Biden presidency with a Republican Senate. So what that is pretty much setting us up for is a repeat of the later Obama years where it's notorious to cast blame on the Republican-held Senate for denying Obama progress, pretty much. Granted, it's not true because Obama wanted a bunch of half measures, but I digress. So I think, personally speaking, that this is a massive repudiation of centrist Democrats. I think that, if anything, this does not bode well for the 2022 midterms. I think it's going to be a bloodbath, the way things are shaping up right now. When you look at various states, such as Maine, or even South Carolina, or Kentucky, all of this money was raised to try to help these candidates to pull through against unpopular incumbents. And outside of Maine, they got smacked around pretty heavily. We all kind of called McGrath getting blown out in Kentucky. That was not unexpected. In fact, we would have been more surprised if it was tight. I think the fact that the two highest fundraised candidates of all time, Jamie Harrison and Amy McGrath both got destroyed. And we're talking like we pumped over, not over, but pretty close to $200 million into these two Senate races. Don't get me wrong. I understand that there were multiple Senate races that were winnable and that we failed on, but I'm focusing on those two because that's where most of the big money from across the country was donated to. We had all these blue check Democrats talking about how, oh, everybody donate to Amy McGrath, donate to Jamie Harrison. I couldn't even log on to Facebook to yell at old people without getting an ad <laughs> for Jamie Harrison. And it was great because the Amy McGrath ads, oh, we are within one point of Mitch McConnell. Yeah, well, no, Amy, <laughs> you weren't. In fact, you lost by like 10.2 points. So you weren't even competitive. Frankly, that was putting a garbage can in front of a tractor trailer telling it to stop it. 
I digress. So what does it mean if we're going to have a Republican Senate, a slight plurality in the House of Representatives, and a Biden presidency? What that means, essentially, is that we're still going to have a tug of war in the United States in regards to the control of the government. Don't get me wrong. By some small measure, is Biden more likely to get some form of compromise with Mitch McConnell? I mean, yeah, that's kind of been one of our main criticisms, is that one can argue that Republicans have a little too much sway with Joe Biden, that he is too likely to compromise and acquiesce to the demands of the Republican Party. And that's that's kind of been one of our central issues with Joe Biden, is that instead of actually pushing for policies that are going to help out the working class, they're more concerned with not alienating the Republican Party. Andrew Yang brought up a really good point that a bunch of people attacked him over when he said that Democrats are the party of the coastal elites. But he's exactly right. When you look at the electoral map, you look at all these counties, what you can tell is that Trump heavily dominated the rural vote, the working class vote. People are just out here saying, oh no, it's just a bunch of a bunch of racist white people that just hate minorities. That type of thinking is what got us Trump in the first place. It's completely brain dead to be thinking that that type of rhetoric is going to help fix the problems that the Democratic Party is running into. These people just want to feel seen and they want to feel heard and telling them that they're racist, that they're stupid, because there's another map that somebody shared on Twitter where somebody was talking about how, oh, there must be a correlation between these states voting red and having the lowest education system, lowest education ranking of the country. And that kind of classist, elitist nonsense is exactly why the Democratic Party is having the problems that it's been having. They do not listen to what the working class wants. And that's the thing, is that with the Republican Party, ironically enough, they're just better at messaging that the Democrats are the elites. Now, don't get it twisted. There is a duopoly. There is an oligarchy. They're both the party of ruling elite. Nobody's going to say that a majority of the Republican Party is a bunch of people that are blue-collar workers that are pulling themselves up by their bootstraps. I mean, most of them are children of privilege, too. So we're not going to get it twisted. But what it comes down to is that the Republican Party knows how to energize their base, and for the most part, they stick to it, and they're better at pushing their agenda. The Democratic Party likes to say that they're the party of change, and that they like to help people, or as Nancy Pelosi put, we're the ones that feed people. Well, Nancy, I mean, we've got record number of evictions and record numbers of unemployment, and you haven't offered a second stimulus. So, needless to say, you're not even doing that right. I don't know if you've noticed or anything. You're too busy buying your $10,000 ice cream. And that's the thing, is that she need Nancy Pelosi, let me tell you something, Nancy Pelosi needs to be replaced as the Speaker of the House. That is 100 thousand percent one of the first steps to progress we need to take and the thing is is that i'm not saying i'm not i'm not naive enough to say that she's going to be replaced by a social democrat by the way we're canceling the term progressive because liberals co-opted that we've got people like jamie harrison calling themselves progressive when they're just stale as like four-month-old bread so that's not going to work i don't believe that they're going to nominate a social democrat as the speaker of the house in fact it can even be another milquetoast centrist like i've heard rumors that it's going to be hakeem jeffries which, I mean, that's pathetic. He's terrible. He's awful at his job, too. And he's very anti-progress, anti-progressive, anti-social democrat. But at the end of the day, beating him is a lot easier than beating Nancy Pelosi because he's not going to fundraise at the same level. He doesn't have the same level of control. He doesn't have the same level of sway. And I think it was ridiculous. I'm sure everybody listening to this at some point or another has heard the conference call that Democratic leadership had where they were naive enough to say that, oh no, we pivoted too far left. We need to stop mentioning socialism or like Medicare for all or the Green New Deal. Ironically enough, 
during this election. If you look, I know a lot of the big name liberals don't enjoy facts, but we're going to give some facts because to quote our favorite talk show host, facts don't care about your feelings. When you look at every single candidate that supported Medicare for all, that supported a Green New Deal, that ran on these popular initiatives, they held their seats. Some of them won by even more. They had their races immediately called. They were not in a re-election fight. A majority of the Democrats that lost this election cycle did not have progressive policies. They did not adopt a people-first platform. All they thought was, oh, well, Trump's unpopularity is going to carry over into the down-ballot races, and that'll be enough for us to win. Well, I've got news for them. Trump got over 70 million votes in the popular vote. This idea that this was going to be some mass refutation of Donald Trump did not come to fruition. There is an absolute divide in this country, and it's occurring on multiple levels. People are divided by race. People are divided by class. People are divided by orientation. People are divided by their values, their beliefs, their religion. And unfortunately speaking, we don't really have a way to seal that divide. Joe Biden might say that, oh, I want to bring people together. I want to be America's president. No, at the end of the day, a majority of the people that voted for you are the upper middle class and the 1%. There's a reason why Joe Biden told his donors that nothing will fundamentally change. Because nothing will fundamentally change. There's a really good quote where they say, when somebody shows you who they are, listen to them. The way that we want to attack Mitch McConnell and attack Donald Trump, we need to attack Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer at the same level because... Remember, Chuck Schumer was the one that really backed Amy McGrath's candidacy, and she got smoked. By the way, speaking of that, AOC needs to primary Chuck Schumer in 2022. I know that might not be the most popular opinion per se, but I think that she absolutely needs to take Chuck Schumer out. I think there needs to be a statement. And that kind of goes to my next point, my farther point, is that what should the left wing do going forward? after this election. You know, in some circles, running AOC for the Senate in 2022 might not be the most popular idea, but in all honesty, Chuck Schumer is pathetic. He is spineless. He is gutless. He offers nothing to the Democratic Party. And in fact, I think one can argue that Schumer actually takes away. People look at him, and in my opinion, Chuck Schumer is the definition of an establishment Democrat. I remember one of my coworkers who's telling me about how every year Schumer shows up to the Haitian parade up in Rockland County every year to try to convince them to vote for him. And this year during COVID, you know, obviously he stayed away from that. But that idea of pandering is very much, you know, kind of an example of what the establishment members of the Democratic Party like to do. They like to pander. They like to use identity politics and over policy. And they don't care about actively trying to make people's lives better. And people People will come to you, they'll be like, oh, well, how can you say that? The Democratic Party has been pushing for human rights and civil rights this entire time. I mean, are they offering Medicare for all? Are they offering a Green New Deal? Are they offering a, a stimulus package that will actually, you know, be more than one month's rent for people? I mean, I don't understand because, you know what, if we're going to play that game, we can play that game. We're going to make it a zero-sum game at this point. What have they done for the working class lately? I mean, people will say, oh, Obamacare expanded coverage to millions of people. Yeah, technically speaking, it did, but they expanded coverage by making these people broke. There are a bunch of people in this country now that their premiums have gone up 60, 80 percent under Obamacare. And it, it gets to a point where people don't realize Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, is a political anchor. When Democrats try to run on, oh, we need to maintain Obamacare, we need to expand Obamacare, um, that's not going to work. <laughs> 
It's not what they think it is. It's not popular. It's a poor piece of legislation. Trying to protect it, to protect the Obama legacy, is disgusting. It's pathetic. It's part of what cost them the midterms, in my opinion, because within the Democratic Party, Medicare for All has a 76% approval rate. Medicare for All is a winning issue. The Green New Deal is a winning issue with, I believe, last time I checked, 66% approval in the Democratic Party. It's a winning issue. You look at a state like Florida, which voted for Donald Trump by about 3.8, 3.9 points. We might see that push over to four once the vote becomes final. Florida voted for a $15 minimum wage, but they voted against Joe Biden, who was offering a $15 minimum wage. This was a repudiation of moderate Democrats as a whole. The only reason Joe Biden is going to win this election is because he killed it with the wine moms and the suburban voters. He dominated the suburbs by a wider margin than Hillary Clinton did. And he was able to close the gap a little bit in rural areas because Joe Biden is able to give off the facade that he's a working class person, even though obviously he's made millions of dollars at this point and he hasn't been working class in a very long time. What I think needs to happen is the left wing in the United States needs to get more aggressive. We need to stop playing defense. We need to go on offense because frankly, if we allow the Republicans to not only expand their lead in the Senate, but gradually take over the House, it's going to be very bumpy for us to get anything done in the foreseeable future. Now, I know that's an unpopular opinion. Oh, you cannot reform the Democratic Party from within. And don't get me wrong, to an extent, you might be right. That might be a dead end for us. That's why when it comes to a third party, my proposal is this. I want to push for third parties. There needs to be more options. People need to understand that it's not just Republican or Democrat. It's not fascist and diet fascist. It's not authoritarian and diet authoritarian. Those aren't your options. No matter what the mainstream media tries to tell you, there are more paths that you can go for the presidency. However, what I think needs to happen is I think all of the third parties need to unite under one umbrella and become one unified third party. Do they have a chance of winning the presidency in the foreseeable future? No, they don't. I can be honest with that. I'm not stupid. But when they grow and they become more powerful, they become... Think, think of it like our form of government. We have the legislative, the judicial, and the executive. And we have checks and balances. If we were to have a strong enough third party to actually threaten the Republicans and the Democrats, you push them both to either adapt or die as a party. In my opinion, you can both try to take over and reform the Democratic Party, but also put your energy into trying to unite third parties together to create one massive left-wing third party. You can do both. You can accomplish both of your goals simultaneously, in my opinion. I understand that electoralism is not everybody's preferred method. I understand that not everybody is a reformist, and I respect that because at the end of the day, there is no right or wrong way to fix your society, your home, and I get that. I really do. But in my opinion, I think the quickest way is to take over various seats in the Democratic Party. I think there's a bunch of vulnerable candidates coming up. Chuck Schumer. I think that there are, in all honesty, less obstacles this time around because, again, Joe Biden did not win en masse. He did not blow out Donald Trump. He won a couple states by a couple thousand votes outside of PA, which is projected to be between 100 and 200,000 vote difference. I mean, that's a pretty legitimate win, as is Michigan, too. But you look at states like Arizona, Nevada, you look at states like Wisconsin, you look at states like Georgia, and you can tell that this was a very vulnerable election. In my opinion, and I know a lot of people share this, I fully believe that if it wasn't for COVID, I think Trump landslides Biden. I think Trump definitely wins Arizona. At this point, looking at the situation, I think he wins Nevada. I think that he probably would have won Wisconsin 
he might have still lost Michigan because the African-American voter turnout was ridiculous this year. But I think there's a decent chance he pulls back PA. Definitely would have won North Carolina. Definitely would have still won Georgia. Would have won Florida by an even wider margin. And that right there, those that particular outcome is more than enough for Trump to retain the presidency. So what we need to look at is it's not about trying to be better than the Republicans. That shouldn't be the goal. That is the lowest barometer possible. The goal needs to be be better for the people, be better for the United States of America, because at the end of the day, this is our home and we need to be doing right by the people that live here. The fact that Biden can get away with saying nothing will fundamentally change and still win. I don't look at it as, I don't look at this election in general as an endorsement of Joe Biden. This was not the blowout a lot of people thought it would be, for whatever reason. I don't know what people were thinking when they said that either of these two were going to landslide. That just wasn't feasible. Trump was incredibly unpopular, relatively speaking, as an incumbent president, and Biden was also really unpopular. I mean, we hear these things about him, you know, not having the best cognitive faculties, or he has a tendency to have gaffes in his speeches that just you have no idea what he's trying to say, you know, like Mr. Harry Legs himself. You know, Biden says these things, and it's not that difficult to see why people wouldn't want to vote for him. It's just that when, when people look at Trump, honestly, when you look at the policies, it's not super different per se. The things that divide them are the $15 minimum wage, trying to have a relatively more union-friendly platform in Biden's case. The biggest difference between them is probably their climate change when Biden pretty much adopted the Bernie 2016 platform, whereas Trump likes to pretend that doesn't exist and thinks that climate change is the boogeyman and they're just going to look under his bed one day and it's just going to be his parents messing with him. You know, I think that's probably the key difference between the two is their climate change proposals. And don't get me wrong, this is not an endorsement of Joe Biden's climate proposal. I think it's half-baked. I think it's a half-measure to a T. I don't think it's good enough. I think that him not banning fracking is disgusting. And him and people using this, oh, well, it could hurt him in Pennsylvania. 55% of workers in Pennsylvania were in favor of a fracking ban. So that is a manufactured talking point that people use because they don't want to admit the fact that we need to transition away from fossil fuel energy. It is ridiculous at this point to try to defend the oil industry, the fossil fuel industry, acting like they aren't the ones directly killing the planet. And there's also the fact that I haven't heard anything about Biden trying to cut the military budget. I mean, are you kidding me? The, the military industrial complex is their baby. If you're serious about fighting climate change, you need to have a reduction in military spending because here's a nice fun fact for everyone. The United States military is responsible for, I believe, 20% of pollution in the world. That lines up. I would believe that because of all the aircraft carriers, the various amount of ships, the very, you know, the bombing that we do on mass in the Middle East and across the across the world that nobody wants to talk about. Everybody is just happy that they can go back to brunch and not worry about what the president is saying, what the president is tweeting. Granted, with this, the problem is that the president probably doesn't understand how Twitter works, but I digress. Speaking of dying, the chances of winning the Senate are slim to none. Having two runoff elections, I don't think people understand. The fact that we're talking about these two runoff elections in Georgia as the final ch the final gasp of trying to take back the Senate, the fact that the first thing they talk about is, wow, there's going to be a lot of money spent in those races. Nobody sees a problem with this. It's not about how, wow, I wonder what policies they're going to be fighting for. It's wow, I wonder how much money is going to have to go into those races. That needs to be one of the most important things that we push now, honestly. We need to get big money out of politics in the United States. That is 100,000% the number one priority. We need campaign finance reform. And don't get me wrong. Oh, Jordan, this is a pipe dream under the... I know, it's a current pipe dream under the current system. I understand that. It do just because you advocate for something doesn't mean you expect it right away. I get that. But these need to become 
major policy concerns that we bring up. I think that the American left needs to bring up campaign finance reform even more than we already do. And that goes back to my earlier point that we need to be aggressive. They have no leg to stand on. They have no room to stand on. They got washed in the down ballot elections. They got destroyed. There's a legitimate shot now in the 2022 midterms that the Republicans end up getting control of the Senate and the House. That is a massive referendum on party leadership. I think that Nancy Pelosi needs to be ashamed of herself. Chuck Schumer needs to be ashamed of himself. And Tom Perez needs to absolutely get taken out of being DNC chair. He's terrible. He's an absolute joke. Their strategy was a joke. It was pathetic at this point. That, oh, vote for Joe Biden. Vote for all these down ballot candidates. They don't actually offer you anything. And, yeah, that should be enough. That should be good. Well, spoiler, it wasn't. So pretty much, I think that the social democratic movement in the United States is not going to die. It's not going to push over or anything. I mean, we've got people like AOC, Elon Omar, and Rashida Tlaib out here talking about how socialism, social programs, Medicare for All, and Green New Deal, they're winning issues. And they're defending that. In fact, I wouldn't say they're defending it. I think that's the misrepresentation. They are actively using the fact that they are people first and that their policies are there to help out the working class of this country to really be effective. It's a strong campaign message. And it's the reason why I believe Rashida, AOC, Elon, they all won by bigger margins than they were elected by. Think about that. They didn't lose support. In some cases, some of them gained support. And that's the point. You've got Katie Porter over on the West Coast. They didn't even bother, the Republicans didn't even bother running anybody against her because they knew they couldn't win. By the way, this is an endorsement of Katie Porter to take over for Kamala Harris's old Senate seat. In general, I keep saying progressives out of habit, but we're going to retire that word, I promise. I'll get it right next time. (laughs) The social democratic movement in the United States needs to continue. I think that there's going to be an actual wave of progressives winning. The first step needs to be in 2021, we need to begin winning county chairs so that way we can have legitimate and fair primary elections. Everybody needs to focus on their local races because here's the thing, everybody wants to focus on the federal races. Focus on your local elections. Look at your school board. Look at your city chair. Look at your council members. Look at your electors. Look at everything that you possibly can in your town because that's where all the change starts. It starts at the local level. It starts at the local and state level because at the end of the day, if you are not accomplishing your goals at the local and state level, how do you expect to get any closer at the federal level? We all like to complain that the boomers are the only ones to show up to the polls, but they're the ones that sit through every single city council meeting trying to elect their mayor or their board of governors in general. I know it seems tedious, but at the end of the day, if we want this bad enough, these are the kind of things we have to do. Change starts with a local initiative and works its way up. Most people, they're like, oh no, Biden won, that's it. The agenda. No, the agenda only dies if you let it. The, the push for social democracy in this country only dies if you let it. Oh no, it's going to be too hard now, the neoliberal... Fuck that. Are you kidding me? You're going to let these weak people that spent four years rolling to Donald Trump role you i think i think better of that for all of you that i've seen have this kind of defeatist mentality Are you kidding me you're gonna let joe biden walk all over you you're gonna let nancy pelosi and chuck schumer walk all over you clap over you come on now i know all of you are better than that i know i'm better than that and i've got faith that all the wonderful people i've gotten to meet and interact with and talk to this year i know all of you are better than that too the fight is just beginning now once sleepy joe gets elected I, trump might be leaving but that is still a hilarious nickname, and I'm going to continue using it. I just I just need to point that out there. So I think that, if anything, Biden is a weak competitor. Biden is somebody that, I'm not saying we're going to push him left. That's a fallacy. That's not going to happen. No, when I say it's easier to fight Biden because what kind of excitement is Biden going to generate? 
Oh, well, listen here, Jack. I'm going to get through this press conference and then get a nice warm cup of milk. Come on. Kamala's going to tuck him in at night, and then she's going to do that stupid laugh that she likes to do, and then sell out more of the working class. You know how easy it is to fight people like that? Think of it as trying to fight Hillary again. That that would be the example I would use. Think about, think about it as multiple times we get to dunk on Hillary Clinton, which, I mean, come on. It's like our national pastime at this point. We dunk on her. I mean, I mean even Bill dunks on Hillary. <laughs> I think that, you know, in general, you know, I'm trying to lighten the mood, but I'm just, I'm a little tired of this defeatist attitude I've been seeing from people. The fight is only starting. Think about the kind of progress we made from 2016 to now. How far the Overton window has shifted. How much popularity Medicare for All and a Green New Deal have gotten. I think what the focus needs to be on is trying to win rural voters. I think that's something I personally didn't account for. I thought that that was just, you know, a social democrat kind of problem we were having that I noticed in the primaries. But it turns out, in general, the Democratic Party itself doesn't win rural voters right now. So one of the things we need to emphasize is that a social democratic system that the progressive platform tends to be, we need to push the fact that this is good for working class voters, that we want to strengthen unions, we want to be strong on workers' rights, we want to be stronger on trying to protect minority rights by people of color's rights, and we want to increase protections on them, and we want to improve their lives and make everything better for them. We need to push for that. We need to fight for that. Everybody's talking about how, oh no, Biden is going to strengthen the carceral police state. Yeah, we know that. We've known that for months now. Why are we acting like this is some brand new revelation? The least we can do is try to fight back against it. At the end of the day, black lives still matter. By people of color lives still matter. The people at the borders that are trapped in cages, their lives still matter. If we don't do anything about it, if we just pick up our ball and go home, then clearly their lives don't matter enough to us. At the end of the day, what people need to realize is that just because you lose a couple fights doesn't mean you can't pick yourself back up and keep punching. You see how fond they are of punching left. What are we going to do? Are we just going to be their punching bag forever? For me, I say hell no. That's an absolutely shitty way of thinking. Nobody should ever be looking at this situation and thinking to themselves, it's hopeless. The only way it becomes hopeless is if you quit. I think that we've made significant progress. I think that people like AOC and people like Elon Omar and people like Rashida Tlaib becoming more prominent and more popular, that's a good thing. That's a good sign. Don't get me wrong. Is AOC as far left as a lot of people would like? No. Does she have the best foreign policy I've ever seen? No. Has she been doing more for the left than a significant amount of figures on the left? Yes. Visibility is good. We want our ideas to be mainstream. We want our ideas to be popular. The more people we have supporting us, the more likely it becomes that the policies that we want to get pushed, get pushed and win. So this idea that, oh no, they're all capitulating to the establishment. First off, this is their second term. It's been four years, guys. Like, give them some time. If they fail, they fail. But at the end of the day, we need to give them time to actually fight for us. We can't just cancel them every time they say or do something that's a little questionable that we don't agree with. It's ridiculous. Why are we eating ourselves? At this point, we need to be gaining fighters, not warding off the ones we already have. If I were to say what the strategy should be, 2021, win city council chairs, win county chairs, try to make the primaries legitimate and easier for left-wing candidates to succeed. In 2022, I don't care if it's your local principal's office. Run a social Democrat out there. Run a progressive out there. Primary everyone. Make sure nobody's seat is safe. You need to make people earn your votes at the end of the day. They need to be pushed. Everybody needs to be pushed in this country. I don't care if it's GOP. Hell, put progressives running for GOP seats. Take everything. Because at the end of the day, we need to build power. The people need power. We need to show that the working class has all of the cards. The Waltons, 
and the Jeff Bezoses of the world. Right now, they have all the power by perception. But at the end of the day, the workers that work in the warehouses, the cashiers that work at the cash registers, they're the ones that keep everything afloat. Are we going to fight for the cashiers? Are we going to fight for the warehouse workers? Or are we going to keep telling them that they don't matter, that trying to give them a livable wage, trying to give them health care, that's radical. That's too much. Trying to give them basic human rights is just too much. We can't afford it. We can't do it. But, you know, in our stimulus package for coronavirus, we could have $731 million to fighter jets. Unfortunately, we're going to have two more months of President Trump. I hope people are prepared because I think it's going to be by far the toughest two months of his entire presidency because I don't think he's going to go down quietly. Then again, he hasn't been quiet this entire time, so I don't know what the expectations were. <laughs> I think that was hilarious, by the way, just a sidebar that MAGA has always told themselves that they're the silent majority. They're not silent. I can't even go outside, look at their house, and not see a giant Trump Pence flag. Quiet, silent majority. Well, clearly we're in a majority this time around. And that's the thing, that after the election, all the Trump people are just not going to be Trump people anymore. No, you need to ask these people and talk to a lot of these people, why did you vote for Donald Trump? As a working class individual, what did Donald Trump say that appealed to you? At the end of the day, that's how you get these voters. That's how you flip these voters. The way I look at it, people are like, oh no, I just see 70 million white supremacists. And don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong. Does Trump have a lot of white supremacists that support him and neo-Nazis that support him? Absolutely. I, I'm not going to discredit that. That's legitimate. That's a legitimate concern. But there's also, like, I'm just going to use names here. Like, think of Joseph, who's like a single father of three that lost his job because of the pandemic and is trying to figure out how he's going to make ends meet. And Trump is trying to say that he's going to open things up and try to fix the economy so that way people like Joseph can be able to have money to feed his family. Or he's trying to advocate for trying to bring trade back to the Midwest. He didn't. He actually outsourced more jobs. But let's go by the message. And you can see why that would be appealing to a lot of working class Midwestern voters. Instead of trying to sell out these people just saying, oh no, they're a bunch of stupid red state people. That's so classist and so disgusting. You need to look at these people and think, how can I make their lives better than the Republicans would make their lives better? Because that's how it works. Votes are earned. They're not given anymore, clearly. That's the same reason why a lot of people were asking, how did Trump improve in all these key demographics with the Latino voters and the black voters? Because here's the, here's the reality. Minorities are not going to blindly vote Democrat anymore until you start offering them material changes and people are like oh no you're asking for too much you're asking for too they're asking for too much they want to be helped because you know what at the end of the day a bunch of latinx people will look at this and say um yeah i mean whoever i vote for they're going to put me in cages they're going to deport part of my family they're going to ma paint me out to be a rapist or a drug dealer so what do i have to lose at this point now because no matter what i feel like i'm not seen i'm not heard and it's, you know, it's the same situation for, for black voters. Do I vote for Donald Trump who has further escalated the police state? Or do I vote for Joe Biden who helped create the police state? As well as have Kamala Harris on the ticket who has enforced the shit out of the police state that Joe Biden created. When you think about it, it's a very sad situation we've put ourselves in. To question any kind of minority for making the decision that they feel best affects them and their family is disgusting. They reached the conclusion that they did, referring to the people that may have decided to vote for Trump if they're a minority, they reached the conclusion that they did because they don't trust the Democratic Party anymore. Instead of trying to look at that and treating it as a referendum to try to outreach to these people, people just want to say, oh no, there's a bunch of hateful, disgusting people. All right, let's flip that. We don't like it when they try to say that all Democrats are a bunch of 
communists trying to make sure that nobody's trying to get any money anymore and that everything is going to die and they're going to attack the infrastructure of the United States and that's it. I mean, we don't appreciate getting called the radicals that they portray us to be, so why are we going to do that to them? It's disgusting. It's nonsensical, and I don't understand how people think that that's a winning strategy. Imagine this. Think about this. It's a numbers game, right? Voting at the end of the day is a numbers game. Imagine trying to purposely shorten your numbers and causing yourself to lose. <laughs> it's nonsense. It's ridiculous. The voter outreach we need in America, we need to start working on trying to win back rural voters. It's either we do that or we're going to lose in 2024 to a further radicalized fascist running out of the Republican Party who is going to have control of the House and the Senate. We need to take this relative victory, I say that in air quotes, and immediately begin to talk about how much Biden needs to be checked and held accountable. And not just Biden, but the entire Democratic Party. At the end of the day, you're the ones running the show now. So if Biden comes in there and he has a bad COVID response, we need to keep that same energy that we had when Trump had a shitty COVID response. If Biden is committing massive war crimes, which we know are coming, hold him accountable to the massive war crimes that are coming. The Obama administration, they kept everything under wraps. We need to let them know this is a different time now. We are going to call out any bullshit that we see the Democratic Party do. We're going to hold them accountable. And at the end of the day, if 2024 rolls around and they're running, the Republicans are running out another fascist and the Democrats want to nominate another centrist Democrat to get smoked in the general election, then you know what? At that point, they don't deserve our support. They don't get our support. That's the reality of the situation. I know a couple people broke this go around and they wanted to vote for Biden because they saw the current present danger that Trump was giving to a lot of marginalized people and reproductive rights. I understand that and I respect that. That was a very difficult decision. All I ask is that now we need to make sure that what we voted for is protected or else at this point everything is going to crumble. So I would say bottom line, take away from this election, we need to do better with rural voters. Trumpism is a legitimate part of American life now and we need to come to that reality that it's not going anywhere just because Trump has presumptively been defeated. And we need to work on not being so defeatist about the situation and just starting to plan and organize for 2021, 2022, and 2024. Because at the end of the day right now, we have all the cards clearly. Our platform wins. There's losers at the state level right now. And once they don't have the boogeyman to run against, that's it. Once Trump is gone, they can't run on, we're the party that's not Trump. Vote for us. He's gone at that point. He's a figment of their imagination at that point. All, all he's going to do is fundraise and endorse Republicans. That's it. So either we come together and try to actually beat the Democratic Party as a unified weapon, or that's that. Honestly, I think that we need to infiltrate and reform and destroy the Democratic Party, expand the third parties, and become one unified umbrella. For sure, by having that unified third party, we can check the Republicans and Democrats. That would be my my biggest takeaway from that. Now, you might say, oh, well, Jordan, they only got 0.2% of the vote. Well, yeah, they only got 0.2% of the vote because the media didn't pay any attention to them. And that's by design. They don't want people to understand that better things are possible because at the end of the day, both parties run the media. They don't want you to know that their platforms suck. They don't want you to know that there are better things that are possible. They want you to cave and crumble like the generations before you. And it needs to be known that we will not do that at all. Fate of the planet is too important. Workers' rights are too important. The liberation of by people of color is too important. The liberation of people whose gender identities are constantly under attack is important. In general, the liberation of all marginalized people in the United States of America is more important than this feeling of dread everybody is feeling because of the Democratic Party. 
all right? Because at the end of the day, a lot of us got involved into this because of the Bernie Sanders campaign. So the best message I would say is, it's not me, it's us. And the idea is we all need to fight for somebody that we don't know. And I think that that couldn't possibly be said any better. I think that it's essential that everybody gets off their ass in 2021 and 2022 and 2023 and 2024 and either put up or shut up at that point. Try to create change or get out of the way. <laughs> but um, clearly we've all beaten the election to death at this point. I just wanted to give away my thoughts on it. I would like to thank anybody that takes the time out to listen and I'll be back with you next time. Just remember on Twitter, I am JJ is a socialist, but I'm pretty sure a lot of you already knew that. And I hope you have a good day, no matter what day you guys end up hearing this. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh.